Welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name's Zach, and this week I have my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you? Doing very well, thank you. And today we have a very special co-host, a guest co-host, shall I say, Brendan Carrion from Full Metal RPG. Brendan, how are you today? Doing great, man. How are you doing? Doing very, very well, thank you. It's good to hear, man. So today is a very special day of recording because it is the last day of the year. Yeah, some it is, kind isn't of it? either applause or boo track <laughs> or or a combination of both. No but doubt, it is uh, is a very bittersweet day. Saying goodbye to 2017 and saying good hello, saying <laughs> goodbye to 2018 too. Saying, I guess. <laughs> saying saying hello to dark, 2018. Dark saying, man. Saying be gentle too. <laughs> oh man it's already a great start guys i'm gonna start <laughs> off this year really good um but like always we will start with our segment wish of the week In Wish of the Week, we talk about anything we're excited for, from movies to RPGs to video games. Steve's not here, so I think the video game section will be light this week. <laughs> um, but because we have Brendan, I'm going to hand Wish of the Week off to him. Do you have anything you're excited for, Brendan? Well, you know what, man? Um, my life is just like a never-ending fucking bounty of excitement because it's just like I, I have so many hobbies and so many projects and I tend to let things kind of slip through the cracks and get lost here and there with like trying to manage everything uh so I'll just tell you what I'm super high on right now which is uh Warhammer 40k oh um, yeah oh dude fucking loving Warhammer 40k so much got a ton of um Death Guard models to flesh out my Death Guard army for Christmas. And uh, then I was at, down at my uh, favorite local game store and I was talking to the owner and they told me that they've got a tournament coming up in January. And so oh, nice. that Ooh. really helps me kind of like focus what it is that I'm building <laughs> and what it is that I'm working on, making sure that the little fucking weapons upgrades are right and that everybody's <laughs> got the right equipment on them and that the unit coherency is correct, all that shit. Anyway, I love that stuff, and when, when you have a tournament coming right down the pike, right in your face, it, it, it coalesces what you're thinking about in terms of hobby. You know, you have you have specific goals that you have to meet on a timeline, because I tend to kind of just be all over the place, with where I, like, I build a model, and then I'll like paint half of it, and then I'll put it aside, build another model, abandon it, build... a a whole bunch of other stuff, <laughs> buy boxes, not even open them, store them in the closet. So, um, exactly. So a tournament is always good to help you get on track. So that's, that's what I'm buzzing on right now, dude. Just, uh, I mean, I was up, I was up till midnight last night building models and probably once you and I are done here today, go back to building models. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
Awesome. I know this is kind of straying away from Wish of the Week, but how is your little uh, baby creation, your game going? Uh, you know, at the end of 17, we hit some... Hit, we hit kind of a rough patch with the development because, um, geez, I mean, I don't know how deep we want to get into this, but I started really just not feeling the powered by the apocalypse, not just the system and the way it runs, because I was doing a lot more playtesting of it, so I was running it a lot. And I was like, not super thrilled with the way it was running. But then at the same time, I was playing more powered by the apocalypse because I was like really trying to like get into how that game works at its core and into that scene so that like when we get to Kickstarter time and stuff, I would kind of like know the audience, be able to speak to them. Mm -hmm. And I just had like, I don't know, dude, I just was like, no, Powered by the Apocalypse is not going to do it, which means I had to go back to square one. I had to start writing my own system. And I'll, I'll tell you, dude, I'm not a systems guy. I was just completely blocked and kind of like lost because... I just didn't know what to do with it. And then, I mean, seriously, after something like five weeks of just like spinning my wheels and not really knowing what direction I was going in, I had a talk with one of my buddies from my game designer group, uh, Richard. We were just, I just, I ran into him at a game store. I kid you not. I ran into a game store and we just started talking. He asked me something similar. And we just started kind of riffing on ideas for a D6 based system with pools and, um, yeah, man, it, it broke the block, and I was able to come home, sit down, blast it out. So now I just, it's the, the base core system is ready to go. I'm going to be submitting that to my writing group to see what they have to say about it probably this week. And then I'm going to have to transfer over all the stuff that I wrote for PBTA <laughs> into this new system. And uh, and then I'll be able to start playtesting again. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's... You you took two steps forward and about <laughs> thirty steps back. Oh my god, dude! I there was this part of me that just kind of wanted to. Well, there was the big the main part of me that wanted to just run through a plate glass window and just just die, you know. And then there was the other part of me that just was like, you know what? You've got this PBTA game written. Why don't you just fucking just put it out real quick? Just crush it out in soft cover and don't do any like. Don't don't kill yourself over it, and then just move on to the next project, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, the thing is, is that I really love the game, that and I really, I mean, I don't. know, This is gonna sound like arrogant, but I'm like I'm trying to do something with it, you know. Like I, I feel like there's something there to do, and so mm -hmm. I just couldn't let it go. I just it was like, you know what, I'm gonna I just double down, man. Just double down and push that giant pile of papers with all with thousands and thousands and thousands of words over to the side and call up a new document and just yep word one <laughs> you know like here, <laughs> yeah. here here we go yes yeah definitely uh remind me of the name of of your game oh oh it's called ravenous ravenous, ravenous. that's right it's, it's i knew it was something along those lines it's <laughs> it's a vampire game uh, and wow, that's that's shocking as hell, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> that's I, so shocking. I know, I would have right? Never expected you. Not not from me. Uh, never. I just I just feel like we're at this weird crossroads with horror gaming and uh, World of Darkness and stuff like that. And if fantasy gaming can be its whole own genre, then I really feel like vampire gaming 
can be its whole own genre. And right. I just, I, I really don't think that we should, there should be one game. You know, there's only like, oh, there's one game made by one manufacturer. I think that there should, and, I, and, and already there aren't. There's like a couple other games out there, and um, I really want there to, the idea of vampire role-playing to be a bigger idea, a bigger tent than it has been over the last, I don't know, like 20 years or whatever, you know? Yeah. We might get into that a little bit later. Mm, yeah. About the whole White Wolf thing. But oh, boy. Not on, not on Wish of the Week. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Oh, yeah, but you making a vampire game is like Mark not making an, an espionage game. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, uh, off to Mark. Mark, do you have anything you're excited for? Uh, actually, uh, kind of on that same tone, I, uh, I got Steam Spy Stories uh, out to the printer. I'm waiting for the first, uh, first draft from the, from the printer, so that should be out very, very soon. Uh, Beautiful. Very I'm expecting two. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but, no, I kid. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of the biggest one. Uh, kind of looking forward to uh, to our Cold Shadows game coming soon. That's yeah, which Brendan should be a part of. Excellent. If I ever nudge, get nudge. off my ass and like fucking read the PDF, I'm so bad hey, about it, dude. Don't <laughs> so- feel bad. I'm. I haven't. I haven't read, but. Maybe twenty pages of it. So, well, I need to read enough of it that I can contribute to the to the uh, character design. Though I need, I mean, I need to do it. I just, oh god, I have such a hard time with PDFs. Really, just the first couple page, uh, first couple chapters, uh, all you need for the character design stuff. And okay. and it's it's a lot of it's a lot of skipping around. So, like yeah. one part will be like four pages. But you choose one of these things on these four pages, and then you go to the next thing. Yeah, so okay. it's it's really it's really easy. Yeah, it's, okay. it's 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 intimidating, but it's really not as as scary as it seems. Well, I, yeah, definitely. I, I I promise to get off my my butt and <laughs> get get some of that work into you, Mark. I'm sorry, man. Cool. I've been dragging my feet. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no problems. No problem. Um. But yeah. Anything else, Mark? Uh, that's all I can think of at the moment. How about you? Cheers. Well, it it has been a very good week for me for RPGs as far as, um, getting things in. (laughs) Um, first things first, I had purchased the Hellboy source book and role-playing game. Uh, it was made by Steve Jackson games and, uh, Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy. Um, back in O2, it uses GURPS as its main system. It actually uses GURPS abridged as its main system. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I got that in. It is absolutely beautiful. And uh, Mike Mignola did all the art on the inside. And so, I'm if if you're if you're not familiar with the you know Hellboy comics, um, and that kind of art style, it's you know it's that. If you if you have any knowledge of that, um. But yeah, that's the first thing for me. Uh, I got a couple Kickstarter fulfillments in the form of PDFs in, um, I think, both on Thursday this week. Hmm. Uh, The first one is Damn the Man, Save the Music. Nice. Which I'm very, very excited for. I'm sure Brendan would be too. Hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with this one. Which one is it? It is, you know, it's a lot like those, those, you know, older movies where you're all employees in a... A record like a record oh. album store and so you're trying to um 
to save the store from being closed down by the man. And this whole story takes place in one day from like 10 a.m. to midnight. It's Empire Records. Exactly. There we go. The role playing game. Exactly. Definitely. And that's uh, Hannah Schaefer is the um, the developer of it. And she went on uh, on one shot. And they they did a playthrough, and that's pretty much how she explained it. It's Empire Records, essentially. Hmm. So yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. It's kind of like uh, a uh, fight the man kind of thing. It's really cool. It's all set in a, a fictional '90s, so like all of these. It's it says you could use existing bands, but it's like it's pretty much like an alternate universe, so where you can make up bands and, and yeah. stuff like that. In Empire it, Records, the 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 main band was Rex Manning, who was this kind of like you know, uh, Rick Astley kind of guy, you know. Yeah, in in one shot's playthrough, they just kind of stuck with real world, just because it's easier to understand, hmm. and uh, and they had Seal come to the store, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. But yeah, if you haven't checked out that um that playthrough over on one shot. You should. It's it's a it's a good time. I think they did three different episodes, half an hour or forty five minutes, maybe maybe an hour. Nice. But uh, but yeah, that's the first, and the next is also something <laughs> Brandon might be excited about. Um, it is a horror game called Sins. It's kind of like a, a post post apocalyptic world, um, where you're trying to survive, and the world. It's pretty much the world, uh, you know, a, a century from now. And uh, just kind of seeing how how it's decayed, how different things are adapting to this post-apocalyptic world. It's very interesting. It's kind of action-y, right? It's like an action horror game, sort of? Very very much so, yes. It's kind of like if Rifts was written now, right? It's kind of like a little bit like a post-modern kind of feel to it, and much much more graphically oriented. Right. But but you are playing essentially like like a kill team hunting monsters, sort of, right? Pretty much. Kind of, it kind of reminds me of like a combination of like Mad Max and Sin City and a couple other different things. But yeah, it's kind of a mashup of a couple different ideas from horror movies. Oh, I'm sorry. I was following <laughs> the Kickstarter when it was when it was kicking, and um, it, graphically it looked gorgeous. It was like super super beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. and then and then you said you got it already, right? You received it already. Yeah, I got the PDF in. So I haven't gotten a physical copy of the book yet, which is probably going to go to printing and be here in a couple months. But, but yeah, they they kicked that PDF out on Thursday, so I've <laughs> I've got it a couple days ago. That is unbelievably fast. That's just, I mean, that boggles my mind. Uh, maybe what two th- two three months maybe I, well, on, let's, let's, on that fulfillment. Let's say four or five on the outside. I mean. Heck, man, that's yeah. fucking fucking ridiculous. It's, like, it's absolutely ridiculous how fast they got that out. Yeah, yeah. Because I was talking to either you, Brendan, or you, Mark, with Steve one day, and I was like, you know, they they sent on a message saying they're gonna have it in January. Hmm. Like I was like, they're probably not gonna have it in January unless they've got all the work done. And it seems like they got it out in December. Man. Surprise. So, uh, yeah. I got I got all these, like, Kickstarters that I, like, literally sometimes I'll log into my Kickstarter and I'll just scroll through to see all the role-playing books I forgot about, you know? Like, <laughs> I'll be like, ha-ha, look at that! $50 two years ago! That's money I'll never see, you know? Mm. Man. 
Yeah, I need to do that one day. Oh, dude, it's it's depressing as f. <laughs> um, did you guys follow the one called uh, trench coats and katanas? No, I did uh, not. It was okay. So this dude, he did this. He did this game called trench coats and katanas. It was kind of like a. When he originally wrote it, it was kind of like a little bit of a spoof on the World of Darkness, I guess. You know, it was kind of like that overblown, like hyper-saturated kind of 90s role-playing game feel where everybody was walking around in a dark alley wearing a black leather trench coat and carrying a silver-edged katana. You know, that was the, the, the spoof that he was trying to go for. But I guess the first edition of the game that was very small, I guess it developed kind of a cult following where people actually played the game earnestly. So he kicked it for a second edition and I like almost didn't back it because I was like, do I really need this? You know? And so, um, but I did, I did. And then it just got to be super late. Like, like the whole thing was like super late. Right. And like mm-hmm. once every couple months, this dude would like send out a little letter saying like, Oh, I'm working on this. I'm working on that anyway. So, in December, I uh, I uh, get a, a message from him from Kickstarter saying, "Oh, uh, good news! Project is proceeding forward. I hired a layout designer or something." And I'm just like, "What? Are you serious? Like this thing is so late? You're not even on layout?" And I went into Kickstarter and I looked to see when this thing it was said it was going to deliver. And it said it was supposed to deliver in January of 17. So here we are in December wow. of 17. Mm. He's he's like sending out this this note saying, oh, isn't this exciting? I've hired a layout person. I just wrote him a note. I was like, hey, man, a couple a couple updates back. You said that if we want our money back, you could get our money back. Uh, I'd really like, you know, I, 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 this, is, this is what I said. I said, I, said I, I read your message and it bummed me out. I'd really <laughs> like to take you up on getting my money back right and so seriously yeah. within like minutes i get a note from this dude he goes brendan i'm really sorry that hearing about forward progress bums you out i'll, <laughs> I'll gladly re i'll gladly refund you your money and then he did do it you know but i was like what what's with the passive aggression it's like uh, you're a year it's, <laughs> I was, it's like Forward, forward progression after none. Yeah. For almost a year after you said you were going to deliver this. Yeah. I mean, when I opened the email, I was excited because I thought he was going to say something like <sighs> "off to the printer" or something. You yeah. know, that's why I'm right. bummed out. You exactly. Know? I'm bummed out because it looks like I'm not going to get my book for another effing year. You know, I mean, and he or did, two based on based on just starting the process now. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, the the past precedent is not good. And I let me tell you, man. Like, I'm not trying to to gloss myself here or nothing, but like, I bent over backwards to make this email very polite to him because I didn't want to mm, be oh like yeah. rubbing salt in the wound. You know, like <laughs> it's just like, like, look, man. I know you're trying hard. I know you're doing this thing. You did say you'd give your money back. I'd really like my money back. And uh, I just couldn't believe he was like cheesed at me. I mean, uh, anyway, anyway. So that's that. That's just my little Kickstarter story. God. Uh, anyway. Yeah, man. I'm I'm back right now. I'm backing um, Noir World. It's the kind of old schooly. Um, it's a it's got a really cool system. It's John Adamus. Okay. And um, 
you know it's it's been a little while but i get i give him as much time as he needs because within the first couple months he was like my house just flooded Ooh. i've been sick in the hospital for like a month and a half it's like this guy has had no luck at all but he's giving I'm you those like, updates so you you know exactly. you know where he's at that's that's under completely understandable sure. yeah and i'm i'm pretty sure more recently than than not i think he said he's going to start start the uh, printing process here pretty quick. So that hmm. should be, be coming out too. Hmm. Yeah. I, I yeah. back, I back the uh, top secret. Uh, oh, yeah. game. And don't get is... Brendan started on that. Don't get me ah. started on that. dude. <laughs> oh, have you heard about this? The, the, Oh no, no. They're refusing the... to release the PDFs until the actual printing and physical products are done. Oh, yeah, you, Mark, you've heard Brendan's story about no, maybe you didn't. No, I think I shared this with you because I didn't want to. I didn't want to rain on Mark's After. parade. I didn't wanna, <laughs> I didn't, like fair, I was listening to the podcast and I knew you were super stoked about <laughs> about the re-release of uh, Top Secret. Yeah, but I had subscribed to them for uh, their their launch of Gygax magazine. Remember? Did you remember when they did Gygax magazine? Oh yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um I found I found Gygax magazine in a hobby store when I was in LA and mm. I loved it cuz it was a complete throwback to the old uh Dragon days. Um I bought every issue I could get my hands on and they had an option to subscribe, right? And so I subscribed to it and I think I got one one issue out of that. Even that was a big pain in the ass cuz it mm. like went it got lost in the mail. It was really weird. That wasn't their fault. Anyway, I only received one issue. And then they said something about, oh, there were problems with the use of the term Gygax and they had lost uh. funding and they were like discontinuing their subscription. So what they did is, is because this is, this is the TSR brand. Right. And then they were like, okay, well, we're going to give you credit to our web store for whatever you didn't get in terms of magazines. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. So I went on to the web store and they had a couple back issues that I didn't have on there. And I was like, cool, I'll get those. And then they had some poster map thing of, like, the history of role-playing games or something. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. I won't put that in my gaming room. That sounds cool. So I actually threw additional money into it to get the poster map thing, right? And so they send me a confirmation saying that, like, the printing label or the label to ship has been printed. But... It never goes into the circulation of the of the of, of the mail. You can't right. track it. I could never track it because they never sent it. And this and I keep checking back and checking back. Nothing happens. And and then all I, I write them, but like all conversations cease. And I'm like thinking to myself, they never respond. I'm like, ah yeah. oh, shit, fucking TSR went out of business. It's probably all my emails are going to an empty inbox. <laughs> they were saying that they were having these legal problems. It's probably just like all that stuff is just sitting in a locker somewhere or something, you know? Mm. And so I just forget it. I just think, oh, that's money down the drain. Move on with your life. Then I'm on freaking Kickstarter and I see that they're kicking uh, Top Secret. And I'm like, well, yeah. is this the same TSR? And I go and I look, and it's the same TSR. And I'm like, the, mm. the office is open. They are receiving emails. They're just ignoring.
ignoring my emails. They just stole my effing money, you know? And then I see that they're getting a million dollars to make a role-playing game. And I'm like, those jackasses couldn't handle a magazine subscription that probably had like 20 people on the planet <laughs> like doing it. How the yeah. hell are they going to manage a million-dollar project with hundreds and hundreds of backers? There's just no way. I was like, that fucking thing has the kiss of death. I will never do another TSR pro- product mm. ever those guys stole my money. End of rant. Sorry. Yeah. I No, no the, the communication on this uh, has been very, very rough. Um, it has I been prog- progressing. It, it, you know, they, they've, they showed a prototype. So in theory, it's, it's, they're going to finish it. But yeah, the, the communication has been really bad. In theory. Um, in theory yeah. <laughs> oh, they're but terrible. They're, they don't, they, yeah. they, 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 that's just one of those classic nerdish mismanagement situations you know mm-hmm. they just they don't know how to do what it is they set out to do you know yeah and i think i think part of their problem is they're trying to follow in the footsteps of the old tsr you know it's mm-hmm. it's they're trying to you know be successful like like the original company was they're trying to you know get different stuff out and i don't think they're managing things well, well they're work- I, don't, I don't think they're managing things well they're working so hard at, at getting this name recognition, you know, using Gygax, TSR, you know, even yeah. top secret, you know, and, you know, if they don't have all their ducks in a row in terms of the legal part of, of doing that, that's a, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big problem. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. But the biggest thing, you know, especially with top secret, the thing that, you know, that they've been very pushy about the fact that, we believe in physical books and we think you should have the physical components before we're releasing PDFs. And so we're not releasing the PDFs until you have the physical components. Well, that says to me that the physical components are more important than the conceptual stuff, which means it's more of a board game than a role-playing game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. Because it's, it's so heavily reliant on those physical things. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. I mean, if if what you're trying to push is just these ideas and, you know, the concepts, that's that's what makes it a role playing game. Right. And that you can release with a PDF. But I mean, when 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 John Harper was releasing Blades in the Dark, which was notoriously hmm. late and kind of riddled with sort of like design issues. Um, and there's like a whole kind of secret history of that or whatever that I won't speculate on because i'm not part of that like circle but um he released quick start pdfs that were like Ooh. hundreds of pages long yeah. all throughout the development so that his the people who had paid money had a game that they could play mm-hmm. and um that didn't diminish his sales like at all it's not like he had to worry no. about people just just spreading the pdf around uh blades in the dark being a very very strong game is still one of the hottest games of 2017 so if they're all worried that people are gonna get the pdfs and then they're gonna like lose money which to me is like an old way of thinking it is um like I, I that's just i don't know i just feel like that's another another bad sign from people who have shown <laughs> no good signs really yeah 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 and then and, and something that they might should have strayed away from if this is a game that's heavily influenced by the physical things cards tokens etc don't release a pdf at all like don't 
don't give yeah. these people the option to just buy the partial game, you know? Yeah. It's like, if it's, if it's so, you know, if they, they ideally want people to have the full experience of getting all these things that come in included in the box, don't just don't produce a PDF. That's it. Right. That's kind of, you know, bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I, 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 I'm with Mark. I think it sounds like it's a, like it's a smoke screen for some other kind of, other kind of weirdness that's going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they're trying to put off that they're more prepared than they actually are. You know, they're like, Oh, we have PDFs done. Do they? Do they have PDFs done? You're not <laughs> well, giving us well, any. They've, they've gone to print. They have to have the PDFs. Oh, they've I gone mean, to print. They've, okay, they got cool. the, yeah, because they they've got the uh, the the what do you call the first sample? They they did the unboxing. They showed a okay, video yeah. of that. So I mean, they have to have the PDF. It has to be print ready. But definitely. Oh well. How does it look from the unboxing? Are you stoked for it when it comes? It looks great. If it, it you know if, if they deliver what they're what they're showing. I think it looks like a great game, but, uh, you know, we just, we got to get there. I want to see it. Yeah, exactly. It's between point A and point B. Yeah. But I think, I think this wish of the week has gone on far too long. <laughs> Fair enough. Are we still in wish of the week? Holy shit. We're still, I, I haven't closed it. I could, I could say the blurb now and then paste it in the beginning, but I shall officially say that will be it for this segment of wish of the week. All right, now on to a couple couple different questions for you all. And a couple um, more rants, I'm sure. A couple more rants, <laughs> of course. Uh, this this episode will be very ranty. <laughs> um, Brendan already partially answered this, which I, which I wish he wouldn't have. But did you get anything <laughs> good for Christmas? I know you got some some uh, Warhammer stuff, dude. I got it was it was an embarrassment of riches this year. I don't know what like my my family slash friends slash girlfriend. They were all like really on point with the with the with the toys. Got a lot of toys. Um, uh, the homie Adam Sink from Full Metal RPG. He hit me up with a Thirteenth Age book. That yeah. I had been looking at because I've gotten I've gotten all weirdly into Thirteenth Age lately. So he got uh, he got me Eyes of the Stone Thief, which is just like a brilliant module. I mean, it's just it's really good. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of expensive for a module, so I'm happy that he he got it for me. But it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's uh it's brilliant. Um, isn't isn't Adam running a Thirteenth Age game at your your Friday night? That game is correct. Thing? That is yeah, correct. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Um, so yeah, I'm sure you've been. Pretty into Thirteenth Age recently with the yeah, whole dude, game club thing. Been high on Thirteenth Age. I don't know why it's it's not it's not like my usual thing. It's more of a trad game and less of a story game, and it's definitely not mm-hmm. an OSR game. But it's just kind of like neat to be back in those old waters because I don't know. I miss three point five in a certain way. There's look, there's a lot of things about three point five I don't miss, but there are certain <laughs> things about it that I do miss very deeply, and uh, I really feel like Thirteenth Age goes a long way to being the kind of game I wanted 3.5 to be when it was new. Um, but I mean, that's a subject for different. Yeah. Time. Yeah. I, I, I also, I also got this like immense Christmas bonus, uh, 
from my job. And then I just, I went on a fucking tear, dude. And like, I, 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 I didn't spend it all on games, but I, oh my God, I bought a no, huge I set am... of Necromunda and then a ton of other books that are still kind of like trickling into the mail. But so that's nice. my Christmas. I know, I know our friend Justin Royce got Torchbearer for Christmas. Oh, that did was he? exciting. Yeah. Yeah. He, he posted it on Instagram. So, um, yeah, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in Torchbearer. I really am. It's it seems like an interesting concept for a game. Um, but yeah, I might pick that up at one of these days. Yeah, that, that's a and that that's a cool one conceptually. Definitely is. I I told him, hey, let me let me know how you like it, because that'll really depend on <laughs> uh, on if I like it or not. Nice. But um, but yeah. Uh, anything else cool from you, Brendan? Oh, that's that's it, man. Cool. <laughs> Mark, did you get anything exciting and fun? Uh, actually, on, on the video game front, I, I finally got uh, Horizon Zero Dark. So, be oh nice, starting that soon. But uh, beautiful. Uh, RPG wise, uh, I got. Uh, and I think I shared. I might have shared this earlier. I got uh, Space eighteen eighty nine. Oh yeah, I uh, saw that. You you had sent it our way. Yeah, um, which is or at least uh, told us or something. Yeah, which is kind of like early steampunk sci-fi space opera. It's uh, Savage Worlds, isn't it? It's no, it's it's its own system. There's it's a, its own system. There is a Savage Worlds version of it, but uh, I got the the uh, standalone uh, version, um, which is uh, which looks great. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff there. Very uh, Jules Verne, H.G. Wells ish. Okay. Kind of deal. So, very uh, nice yeah yeah that's really that's really interesting it's um, something different i didn't know that i didn't know they did a, a standalone other than the or backwards i didn't know they did yeah. a, a gurps ver- or a, a, a savage worlds version off of the off of a existing thing well this is a i don't know i guess i you'd call it third edition of, but uh the original space 1889 came out somewhere in the 80s um, 1889. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> this, it's Possibly. definitely part of that, like, uh, everything old is new again wave of games is going on right now. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Mm-hmm. How, how do did you play the original? I always wanted to, but never did. Um, it was, yeah. That, that's kind of space it occupies for me. I remember seeing the ads for it in Dragon Magazine and stuff and thinking, uh-huh. like, oh, that could be cool. And then I just never got around to it. And now it's back. <laughs> Mutant Chronicles are back. Yep. I've been, like, at the game yeah. store kind of, like, feeling the itchy the itchy buying hand. Like, oh, I can just buy it. Like, relive my childhood. <laughs> make it all right again, you know? But yeah, I, right. I didn't exactly. know if it's worth it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, for me, it wasn't a very eventful christmas as far as the day um but you all both know i got a new computer early for christmas Mm. um so that was pretty much my christmas i got some new shoes for work because my old ones look sad (laughs) very sad to say the least uh i i can officially say that they will be changed into my lawn mowing shoes (laughs) and uh and i got a new a new man purse i get a new man bag so uh yeah i take a, a bag with me with work because i drive nice. a van around and i need my things fair but yeah so um that's pretty much it i got me um 
the the joystick setup for Elite Dangerous for the yeah. Xbox. And uh, I've been playing on that a little bit. But a couple other things, like Hellboy I got with <laughs> bonus money like Brendan did. Um, yeah, just just a, a pretty solid Christmas. Yeah, Excellent. definitely. I definitely needed the upgrade with the computer. <laughs> um, mine was from 2011 macbook pro and it was it was getting it was getting sad oh dude dude that is basically right where i am currently at 2011 macbook pro yeah. and it is sad and i need to do something about it so and maybe 2018 will be that time hopefully uh speaking of 2018 and uh, new year's resolutions as far as gaming tabletop gaming is there something you want to accomplish in in this year? Brendan, let's start with you. All right. Well, let's see. We got that uh, Friday Night Role-Playing Club going over here for FMRPG, and um, that's been much more successful on a certain level than I thought it would be. Uh, the guys who have shown up to my Lamentations game seem to really like it. They all went out and bought books and stuff, so we now have a whole table of Lamentations players, and nice. uh, I kicked it to them. I was like, well, we're kind of coming to the end of this adventure arc. Do you guys want to keep playing this, or do you want to try something different, or do you want to seek out another table to really... Because the whole point of the club was really to like have people try new things and stuff. And mm -hmm. they're all like, oh, no, let's just keep playing this adventure. We want to keep this <laughs> campaign going. So um, I'm stoked about that, because I, I love running that adventure. It's like very yeah. fun it's like it's like i can basically just do whatever i want with it it's super great um so that i'm keeping that rolling this year i'm i'm very stoked for that i'm very stoked for that we'll be playing that again this uh upcoming friday so i'm looking forward nice. to that um and then you know and then i want to like do some uh i want to do some play testing for ravenous yeah. ravenous yeah. play testing uh has to has to has to get rolling again so um that's <laughs> i mean I, that's not of course it's a game and it's fun and it's like a passion. So of course it's like, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. But it's also kind of like work a little bit, you know, because it's not the same as when you just sit down with a game and you have all of your hopes and dreams for what that game yeah. is going to look like and feel like. It's also kind of like, oh, you got to sit there like, oh, are these dice rolls working? Like, are the players interacting in the way that I want them to? Or the, is the character sheet functioning the way I want it to? Is are the mechanics of the game propelling the types of table interactions that I want them to? And these are all, so all of those things kind of become preoccupying forces. So it becomes much more business-like than if I were just sitting down with, you know, a vampire, the masquerade game. And at this point I've run that game so many times it's basically on autopilot. So it's a much different yeah. feel. Um, but that, that is definitely one of my goals that needs to get done. Um, I, I, I hope that in between those two forces, there is some time for me to do some like role playing for me, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but we'll see. Well, there's. I also got a bunch of conventions coming up. There's a convention in uh, February that a lot of Full Metal RPG is going to be at. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff, a lot of programming for that. Then we got Crit Hit coming up in the summer again. We got Crit Hit programming we got to work on. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean. I, I don't know if I'm going to get to run 13th Age or Coriolis or Zweihander or anything like that. All the all the stuff that, like, 
I like to kind of like, you know, rub my beard and go, ooh, wouldn't that be neat? Dark heresy. I'd love to run dark heresy. Just <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be fun. I, I don't know if any of that's going to happen, but those other yeah. four things, those are those are all going to happen for sure. Those are definitely going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I um I know you you shouted me out on your last episode uh with uh Polaris. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, huh? Yeah. Didn't I? I forgot <laughs> about that. We all talked about Polaris. Um I was gonna say something. I don't. Know. Oh, uh, last our our last episode uh, here on the podcast was um, yeah, was was the our play test episode. So we we know all of those things you're running through your head when you when you're running <laughs> your your play test games. We, we talked about it all. <laughs> oh, dude, fucking it. Uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 joyous and it's also tedious and it's also frightening and it's also terrible you know you know how it is it's like god, god damn it anyway for, <laughs> for those who are listening who don't know this that's that's kind of how it is it's it's you know you write a game that is like the game you want to run right yep. mm-hmm. but then it's like when you run it there's all these other concerns that you have to sit there futzing with constantly <laughs> right, you know exactly anyway yeah no um Mark, for you, is there anything you want to accomplish this year? Well, uh, I'd like to teach uh, our cats how to play role-playing games so I can get more games going. But, you know, they uh, they all want to be rogues, maxing up their sneak attack stuff. So that's not working real well. But um, other than that, I'd like to focus on, uh, now, now that I have Steam Spy stories kind of in the bag, I'd like to start pushing, doing a little more stuff. Uh, do some more writing, more design, something. I've uh, kind of started an idea that I want to see if I can flesh out a little bit more and uh, maybe have something, get something else developed this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, it seems like an interesting concept that that game you're teasing right there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for me, it's it's kind of the same. I'm working on my game. I think mm-hmm. everybody. Everybody on on this podcast is, uh, you know, you, me, Brendan, Steve. Everybody's trying to push a game for this upcoming year. Actually, I think I think Steve's pretty much done. Yeah, with his. But, but it's really yeah. interesting how how I think like those. Okay, role playing is just generally a creative hobby, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you get you get guys like us who are like, oh. I want to next level my my creative output. I'll do a podcast or something, right? Mm-hmm. You do that for a little while, but meanwhile you're dinking around on Kickstarter all the time, and you're like, man, you know, it just seems like anybody could do one of these, and the, the juices kind of start flowing. And so I, I I think that, and this kind of segues maybe a little bit into the topic, but I think that yeah. you know the the threshold between uh, creator and player has never been smaller, never yeah, been smaller. There's Absolutely. Just, you think about it, role playing has always had this this little culture of making house rules and uh, yeah. you know, I'm taking I'm I'm taking D and D, but I'm gonna create my own world and I'm gonna, yeah. you know, you know, the wizard speaks Spanish or something and you know all these weird little you know creating something unique has been part of this this hobby since it began. Yeah. And yeah. Like you say, that's just kind of going to the next level now. Of every, just about everybody is kind of developing their own thing. It's true. Yeah, like me when I maybe two years ago when I was running a game regularly at home, 
I remapped D and D fifth edition for a futuristic setting. Yeah. You know, I I made all new classes. I mean, all new races. I made an all new setting. Boom. Done. I, you know, I, I was doing that before, you know, before I even thought about doing any creative stuff in air quotes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, we all just kind of figured that that was sort of like junk. Right. And now we're realizing, no, this is actually the work that these guys just do. Uh, And now the like self-publishing has become so accessible that it's Mm -hmm. like, well, what do I, wouldn't you, that's why wouldn't you, you know, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And since you segued into our main topic, I think we'll, we'll switch onto that. Um, Pretty much, you know, going into this new year, we're we're trying to see expectations. We're trying to see what we think is gonna, you know, is gonna come out. What what we would like to come out, um, more accurately. But um, kind of just the overall future of of tabletop games between RPGs and board games. Um, first question: Where do you where do you think it's going, and how fast? Um, Mark, what do you think? Well, I think I think just continuing on with our topic, I think where it's going is a much wider uh, range of what's out there. Um, mm-hmm. Back when I was doing web comics, I was interviewed and somebody asked me, you know, asked me a question about web comics. And I said, the greatest thing about web comics is that anyone can do a web comic, which means there's yeah. a huge variety of styles, subject matters. Um, viewpoints there's literally something for everybody the worst yeah. thing about web comics is that anyone can do a web comic which <laughs> means there's a huge range of quality and i think that's exactly where we're going with uh, a lot of the self-publishing there's going to be a mm-hmm. huge amount of stuff out there the majority of it is going to be crap but uh yeah we we talked about kind of the opposite side of things when we had our interview with Alan, um, kind of talking about the big box names and then kind of shadowing all these indie creators. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and then and then now it's going to be, you know, these indie creators are being shadowed by the really crappy stuff. Sure, but, uh, but you know, there, there's going to be some really good stuff that, to come out of that, um, and and I think. I think I hope a lot of the one of the things that a lot of the creators bring to the table is filling filling voids, you know, finding things that the the industry needed that they didn't know they needed. Yeah. Uh, for example, Tales of the Loop is a oh my gosh is something that no one's ever seen before. It's it's a, it's 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 a very different genre. You know, it's not another fantasy game. It's not, you know, it's D20, only we use a D10 system. So it's totally different, you know? Yeah. It's, and I think that's what we need. If people are developing a game, I'm hoping they're asking themselves, what is this adding to the system? Other than just adding my name to it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I, I... I mean... Some something you said, you know, it's it's not a like new new genre as far as media though. No, you know, no, that's, exactly. That's but, what's strong about the game is the fact that there hasn't been a game like it before. Absolutely true. Yeah, and I'd I'd like to see more of those new genres brought into mm-hmm. uh, role playing games. Yeah, and I think I think with the kind of spike of indie games uh, recently. 
I think mm. indie games are more of the mainstream now. Um, a lot of people are doing that kind of wackier game. And I mm-hmm. think that's going to show a little bit more. Well, you well, know, the, okay, go I'm sorry, Mark. No, 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 no. no. I, well, I was just going to say that I think, uh, I think that diversity allows for more experimentation. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're, if the, you're TSR and you're the only game in town, <laughs> you want your game to be good or you die. But if everybody is putting out games, you know, you can put out stuff and, and try different things and experiment a lot more. Yeah. I th- I think that, um, to your point, Zach, that indie games are becoming like the new mainstream. I think that from our perspective as like podcasters and as like uh, aspiring slash amateur slash whatever game designers, <laughs> as um, people who are deeply, deeply invested in the hobby, there can be a urge to see it that way because we're just so immersed you know and we're Mm. we're we're so involved in what's going on with this world but when i was at um gen con this year i mean my god i the the scale of mainstream gaming was just unfathomable to me like there 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 was a, a, a convention hall that like i kid you not dude i kid you not was as big as a football field it was as big as a football field and it was just filled with people playing starfinder and pathfinder right yeah like like watsi has this whole thing where they won't go to gen con because they're sore about the ownership of it and there was some mm-hmm. kind of thing that went on in the past and the way that was being managed and so they've they've it's they're kind of big babies about the whole thing and they refuse to show up so th- so this wasn't even like the main guys like wizards wasn't even there running D, but there were th- i mean you should have seen the cues to just buy starfinder which is a very, very, very mainline, very trad game, you know? So, like, so, I mean, uh, I think Adam and Ben and I were kind of thinking the same thing as you guys, which is like, oh, uh, indie games are the new mainline games. And so we started this this small club to just showcase indie games. And you know what the number one question we get is? Uh, When are you going to run D&D? Like, seriously. (laughs) Like people yeah, show up and they're like, right. "Oh, you, we, we're like, we're like, here's all of our games. We like try and lay them out like a buffet. You can play any one of these games." They're like, "Oh, well, where's the Pathfinder table?" And we're like, "We mm. don't have Pathfinder. Pathfinder is on a different night." And they go, "Oh, well, well, I can't play that night. But if you were to run Pathfinder on this night, then I could play." <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like, dog. That's that's your problem. Yeah, then, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're not gonna turn this into another Pathfinder club, you know, or yeah. another D and D club. So. The what I see for the future of role playing is that right now um, we have this crazy influx of people who are new to the hobby. Crazy influx, and this mm-hmm. is for a number of sort of demographic reasons. There's a number of different demographics that are trending in our favor, and this is creating this sort of weird renaissance, this crazy golden age for uh, tabletop gaming once again that I personally never thought I was going to live to see again. This is baffling to me. Um, but we have all these new people coming in, and they're coming in through D&D, and they're coming in through Pathfinder. And so what we have to do as being kind of like more immersed in this subculture and um, sort of like elder players, if you will, 
Because mm-hmm. we have to be creating new and different experiences for people who have come in through these traditional routes, but who might be looking for something else. Because I think the real danger as we move forward into the future is that people just see D&D as being what it is. Role-playing yeah. is D&D. You know, role-playing is fantasy gaming. And so on one hand, we have all these this, this crazy bounty of, of super weird, very specific indie games but if no one's playing them, then, uh, you know, what, what does it matter? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then, That's very then true. we failed, essentially. Yeah. 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 And, but. Go well, I'm just going to say the, uh, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, if you go into Barnes and Noble, what you see is <laughs> D&D, D&D, Pathfinder. Yeah. That's it. And maybe Shadowrun. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if you're um, lucky. My, uh, you know, my comic, my local comic book store. Maybe they'd have the new Star Wars, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, whatever that's called. But yeah, they, that's it. There is very little uh, in terms of, of um, if unless you're looking online, there's very little actual merchandise in stores unless it's a very specific, you know, specialty store. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, kind of what I was getting at talking about indie being kind of the new thing. You see a lot more product, whether it be good or bad or absolutely off the charts. You see more coming out from indie creators than Watsy. Really. And I think that's going to progress forward because you know, regardless of the size of Watsi and how many people they have working on stuff, they can only get so much out in a year. Whereas 20 creators can get out 20 things, you know, it's. Well, I mean, I take your point there. Um, Watsi, I think, has been very wise in the way that they have intentionally not flooded the market with their own product. They've been very kind of source book shy, and they said that from the from the jump. They yeah. were like, "Oh, you can expect like four things a year or something." And I think that that's actually worked out really well for for them because you know Mark and I lived through the the um, <laughs> uh, supplement treadmill, and like, oh yeah, oh boy, <laughs> yeah. those da- those days, you know, where they're like, "Oh, here's a, tr- a source book." traffic signs of the shadow run future you know (laughs) you you better have this one you're like whoa okay um and that could that creates a lot of buyer fatigue you know um so so i think i think that's part of their plan is this much Mm -hmm. reduced schedule you know I, i i don't i don't think that um indie guys are gonna be like shouting them down anytime soon though you know, I don't think that no. they have the voice for it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm off topic. No, 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 no. You're fine. Um, part of me also has the hope. And I say hope because there's always a possibility it couldn't happen. <laughs> but it happened to me. You know, I was a guy that found storytelling games and found indie type games and stuff like that and was immediately attracted there. 
and dropped D&D from then on. You know, I haven't played D&D in three years. You know, it's, it's, you know, my interest comes from the story, not coming from crunching numbers and trying to do a shit ton of damage. Mm-hmm. I know there are people that, that do enjoy that. Yeah. Perfect. My, my experience at the game store, mm-hmm. <laughs> you all have heard that story like yeah. a million times, but, um, but yeah, it's like, great. Good on you. You do you. I'm, I'm going to go over here with, with my indie games and with seventh C and, you know, mm-hmm. actually tell a story. And I have, I have the hope that there are other people in this world that will realize that if they come across indie indie style mm-hmm. games, storytelling games. But you have to accept that D and D is still the gateway drug. Oh, that's I know. that's the game that is out there. Everybody knows it. Everybody's heard about it. That's what people are going to pick up and at least start there. Oh, of and, course. And yeah, Definitely hopefully they hopefully they branch out. Yeah, you know those jokes that go. Yeah, I used to do that. When I was five. Right, right. <laughs> kind of like that. It's like, come on, D&D is not the only thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's something I want to kind of kick to you guys about the future, and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on this. Um, and I think I know where you guys are going to come back with it, which is these games that have that are coming from the independent scene and they have an almost like laser-like concept. Concepts that are so focused that are almost kind of like one scenario that you can just play over and over and over again. Um, these games are just popping up like mushrooms in the night. They're everywhere yeah. now. Well, and for example... Damn the man, save the music. Exactly. That's the same thing over and over again. You know, different stories, different stuff. On some level, it's almost more like a premise, you know? Um, So at what point are we going to draw a distinction between games like that and role-playing games? Like, how general can something be or, or how, how specific before it stops being a role-playing game entirely. You see what I'm saying? I was, I was, I having, a, I was having a conversation with a different friend, and go ahead, go ahead. I, I don't know if it'll ever stop being a role-playing game. I know it would stop being a consistent role-playing game. You wouldn't play it every week with your friends. Yeah. No, it would be a convention game. It would be... Uh, Every once in a while, oh, I've got 10 games that we can pick up if, if somebody isn't here mm-hmm. for a one shot for, a, you know, hell for us. When we do episodes for one shots, we need yeah. two episodes out there. Boom. Dan, the man. That's a short story that we mm-hmm. can play once. People get the premise. People enjoy it. We'll enjoy it. We'll have fun. Yeah. Uh, just kind of like how we did the terrible RPG. I'm mm-hmm. not going to play that every week with people. That's a that's a pickup game. That's a one page PDF game that I can pick up whenever. And hey, we can we literally learned the rules in five minutes and we got playing for two hours. Yeah. You know, it's it's role playing games <laughs> like Shrek says have layers like onions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, as you start peeling back layers, you start getting heavier and heavier games. You know, on the inside is is D and D, is Seventh C, is uh, Polaris. How many 
fucking pages are in those Polaris books, like mm. 700 a piece. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You have these dense, dense games in the middle. You know, you, those are the games you, you dedicate your time to. Those are campaign these, games. Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I think that that's really critical here is this is, especially in my mind, is, is this axis of time. Like, how much time are you spending on this thing? Um, for instance, I mean, do we consider those how to host a murder boxes that you can buy at, like, the Target or whatever? Yeah. Are those role-playing games? Those are live-action role-playing games, technically. Are they? Yeah. Technically, it's LARP. You're role-playing Clue, essentially. I mean, I was having this conversation with my friend Jamie in... Uh, Sunderland, UK, and he was talking to me about how there there has to be like a distinction between a role playing game and a parlor game, you know, mm. like and what is that distinction? Because I I feel like especially with some of these indie games that have these like just incredibly specific ideas, like there, I mean, there's there's role playing games now where you don't pla- you don't have a character, you know, your character is like you are role playing a concept, you know. Um, Bluebeard's Bride, this like incredibly well-regarded, incredibly popular horror PBTA game that came out this last year. Um, you play an aspect of somebody's personality Ooh. inside of their head, but yeah. everybody at the table is contributing to the same character. Like your character is just a part of one person. There's like the quiet year where nobody is allowed to talk or whatever mm-hmm. and you're all doing like town planning you know it's it's like that game everybody is john if you've yeah. heard of that game i have heard about that yeah i've, I've yeah. never played it but i've heard about it but it's like in everyone is john john is this essential npc and all the, the players around the table are voices in his head you right know, that, right that constantly battle for control of action of john you know it's yeah. like I, I get what you mean about parlor games. You know, those really nuanced games that are so specific. You play them once and you've played them a thousand times. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Clue. The, Why is Clue not a role-playing game? Well, I mean, I guess Clue's like a board game. It has a board. And, I mean, it, it, it's, it, you could make it more role-playing-y if you wanted sure. to, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think there's this idea of like, oh, okay, we're all going to play a game where we're sitting around in a room, we've all had a couple beers, and this, and the game is kind of like a little bit of a social lubricant. Uh, almost mm-hmm. like uh, the that this werewolf game, you know, where you're trying to figure mm. out who the werewolf yeah, yeah. is. You know? I mean, they, they have these kind of role-playing-y elements to them, but are they like role-playing games? Are they definitely a role-playing game? Like, are we sure that this is a role-playing mm-hmm. game? You know what I'm saying? You know, it it kind of it depends on essentially how people want to play it. Anything anything can technically be a role playing game if you want to make rules for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the most popular role playing games are things that are that have the role playing aspect included in the rules. Clue doesn't have role playing in the rules. Right. I would say that's not a role playing game, but. If we use Mark's least favorite feature, house <laughs> rules, we could make Clue a role-playing game. We could develop rules. They don't have to be insanely specific. Mm-hmm. You can turn it into a role-playing game. So 
you know, that kind of goes back to the whole creative thing. Sure. Anybody can do it. You know, well, it's like anybody can make a role playing game. Yeah, I, I know. I've good. I know I've talked about this on the show before, but for me, the definition has always been uh, of a role playing game has been if the players are capable of doing something that the designers hadn't anticipated. That makes it a role playing game. Um, in something like Clue, yes, you're playing, you know, uh, Mr. Peacock. I don't remember the character, but whatever. But <laughs> your rules are you're, you're very tied to the rules, and you can only do what the what the what the board game says you can do. But if you're playing a role playing game, um, you know, Seven C, you can find a solution that the game master or writers hadn't anticipated and they will say, well, that makes sense. Go ahead and do it. That makes it a role-playing game. So, well, well okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. take DM the man, save the music. Like, mm-hmm. cool. Let's say my character, um, doesn't want to come into work today. Right. It mm-hmm. takes place like over the course of one day. Like what if I'm playing mm-hmm. like a slackerly nineties asshole and I call out, you know, the, 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 my first action is, is to pull like a, like a clerks type thing and like call yeah. out of work that day and then go to the arcade, you know, or to the coffee shop or just sleep, you know? Then, then I as a GM would go, if you're not interested in playing, you can go. <laughs> right. This gets down to the buy in thing. Or you can sit, you know? or you can sit here and just watch us play, but, but I mean, my my character, like, what if my character is like, oh, I'm going to like uh, when I go to lunch, I'm going to my character leaves for the day, you know, I mean, set, the, then, set yeah. the store on fire. <laughs> yeah, 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 set the store on fire because <laughs> it's a role playing game. Of course, I got to burn something. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just I'm just like. The con- constraints of the scenario are 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 so limited in a certain way that I begin to be like, well, does this really count as a role-playing game? Are we really role-playing here? Like, I mean, or are we just like, like working through like almost like a board game, like scenario, you know, like just how in Monopoly, well, you can't, you got to stay on the track. You can't, Mm -hmm. you can't opt out. You can't be an anarchist. You've got to like be engaging crass consumerism. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to form a commune in the woods. You know, I mean, right. You, in in damn the man save the music you know it doesn't give you like a plot line it gives you like three points each day consists each game consists of these three things you can do anything else but these three things are in the game i i think of those more as guidelines and less as a track you know because you can do these same three things all the time you know, you could do the same things. And one time you could save the store. Another time you can try and do the same thing and the store will get closed down. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it it could... De- it, the, the players have the ability to control the story regardless of these three guidelines. And I think that's what makes a role-playing game. Because you have the power of influencing the story when it comes to your actions, when it comes to how you approach different things. You're playing this character that has an influence in the world. 
And I think that's what makes a role-playing game. Hmm. Well, I'm still at this point where I'm kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I, another thing I think that we all need to be kind of like leery of when we're talking about the future of role-playing is not being able to differentiate between what we like and what we think is good for the scene. And You're I've definitely right. encountered very recently like uh, some, some groups that are unable to make that distinction. They just seem to think that they have a, 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 a very kind of zealous attitude about like the future of role playing. And they think that, you know, their way is the way that of, of, of the future and everybody else needs to get on their page. And so I don't want to be like trying to lay, lay out some kind of like line in the sand here, because I think that there's like a, my preference is not necessarily some sort of messianic calling, you know? Right. However, I, I will say, personally, I am kind of leery of how specific some of these games have become. Like, games that, to me, I'm, to me I look at them and I'm like, I don't understand how this isn't a board game. I don't understand how this isn't just kind of like a part, like a, the difference between a party game and a role-playing yeah. game. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think one of the main differences between those two, the campaign and the party game, is for those situations where you're playing a campaign. Perfect. We're playing Seventh Sea. Sure. You're playing you're playing Vampire. And and one week y'all just go let's take a week off of Vampire. Let's take a week off of Seventh Sea. Let's play something else. Well, that's what those party games are for. Mm-hmm. You know, gives you a break from playing the same thing over and over again, it keeps you from getting tired of your, your campaign game. Oh because yeah. I'm sure no, we've no all doubt. been, we've all been in those situations where we're playing a campaign for six weeks and you kind of getting tired of it. You know, you don't yeah. mix some stuff up. And I think those are, those are essential because instead of learning this campaign system and then playing it for six weeks and then dropping it, picking up a new set of rules and then playing a game for six weeks. You know, that I think, that's really mentally straining. No, yeah. no, I, I hear you. I so, hear you have consistency. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Just like having a range of genres, it's nice to have games with a range of, of depth. Yeah. But, uh, actually, Difficulty level. you know, I was thinking another great example and, and I know Brendan hasn't played this, but steam spy, uh, is, is a, great example of something that kind of really does straddle this uh, idea of between board board game and and role-playing game. I I designed it for there not to be a a game master, which means I have to rely a lot on more board game kind of mechanics or card game mechanics. So I think, uh, you know, so I I would absolutely agree that that is something that there's some debate there as to what, how, how much of a role-playing game that is. Um, you know, and, and hopefully if you're using the, the descriptive, the narrative part of that game, it has more of a role-playing element, but you could also very easily just play it with, as a board game, I think. Um, yeah, you could. And it just depends on, on what your players want to take out of it. You know, what kind of experience mm-hmm. they want to have. Um, and that's, that's brilliant because there are people, I'm sure, you know, 
if Steve was less of a RPG player and, and more heavy, I know he's a heavy board game player, mm-hmm. but if he was a heavier board game player, you know, and steam, he picked up steam spy, he would probably, you know, you know, go towards the side of play it as a board game kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that again, that's smart because you're, you're getting it to more people that can play the game, you know, that, that will enjoy the game that will play it and buy the expansions. True. Um, you know, on the business side of things, you know, yeah. on the on the gamer side of things, it's kind of, um, you know, it gives people that customization to play how they want to play. True. Uh, which is which is genius. Well, well, I think this actually kind of, you know, blends into another uh, topic about what is the future of, of RPG gaming. And that is that, you know, just this entire conversation we're having of like, what is it is kind mm. of... Uh, Something, something that's happening right now as board game elements, card game elements, and then even like other kind of party game elements are sort of working their way into into role playing. I mean, we've got like ten candles, like it has a candles mechanic, and Dread mm-hmm. has a Jenga tower mechanic, and there's apparently like other games that are picking up on the Jenga tower mechanic. Um, so at this point, it's like every, all these types of tabletop gaming are sort of sort of like uh, descending into one thing. And I mean, and the the White Wolf guys for a long time were kind of pushing their, the 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 envelope in terms of dissolving the boundary between LARP and tabletop gaming. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now we're here. We are, you know, twenty eighteen starts tomorrow, and it's just like, well, what what are these various things as they all sort of coalesce into one thing? And I mean, uh, I can see it both ways. Like on one hand is it's better for gaming for it to be a a lot of things and not just one definable thing. But then on the other hand, I also am like in every kind of reactionary mindset, you know, I'm like, well, what about the thing that I love? I don't want the thing that I love to disappear. And it's important as we go into the future to make sure that the thing doesn't disappear because there's definitely people. I mean, I've, I've heard people turn up their nose because a game is built for campaigns, you know, Mm. especially with the PBTA crowd. I mean, there seems to be, and I don't Vincent Baker who wrote apocalypse world. I don't think that he wrote that game under the idea that there would never be more than five sessions of a, of a, of a, of a campaign played. But a lot of these guys who have taken PBTA and turned it into its own sort of strange gospel that they're trying to bring to the world, they almost have this concept that if your game is longer than five sessions, then what the fuck are you doing with your life? You know, that really yeah. like the optimal way a PBTA game is played is as a one shot. And I don't even know if I necessarily agree with that. I don't think that, you know, and I, or this idea that like, that PBTA is not meant for campaigns and the character creation for it must be blindingly fast, like mm. literally like 30 seconds long. And I mean, I just, I just don't know if I disagree or if I, if, if I agree with that, man, it's just, it's, it's like, I'm kind of, I don't know. I can see it both ways. I can see it a lot of different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's ultimately the thing with, with RPGs is the fact that, you know, like I said, you can, you can play a game multiple times and get different results. You know, just, just kind of like 20 people can play the same game and get completely different things out of the game, you know? And, and I think, I kind of think that's why there are so many different kinds of 
system mechanics just because people enjoy one thing more than the other and it's you know that's kind of how the the dread thing kind of started i'm sure it started as hey let's try something different and i think yeah. that's what a lot of people are doing nowadays um they're trying stuff with with jenga they're trying to tell stuff with a deck of cards you know they're they're doing like uh paranoia the the new version of paranoia has a mm. deck mechanic you know they're that they didn't have that in the in the previous version so they're trying something new and you know there there are so many different opinions in the world especially nowadays that i think to us realists of of rpgs it's you know we don't like the definition of role playing games nowadays or maybe what it's going to be in 5 years but that's the thing people's versions of role-playing games can be vastly different. There can be 150, a thousand different versions of, of, of the definition of a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the thing um, is that us purists need to be okay with the different <laughs> definitions of a role-playing game based on the person. Well, if there's, if there's one thing I'm happy to see is that, is that role-playing games are kind of being like wrenched free from the control of the like nerdy like micromanager guys that you used to oh, meet yeah. at game stores who were like hard to get along with and kind of like I don't know there was something else going on there besides just the joy of gaming and the joy of socializing there was there was this kind of weird sort of elitism that was always going on and I'm really happy that role playing has been taken from them in a certain way and it's been sort of democratized it's been spread around with lots of different kinds of people lots of you know, people of all different ethnicities different yeah. genders different social classes and we're saying like oh it's not just for like kind of like micromanaging white boy nerds anymore and that's good that's that's an objectively good thing and i'm and i'm happy that, that that's happening you know absolutely i, I, I don't i don't want i, I think that the end the logical endpoint of my sort of distrust of a certain type of gaming is like oh well that means we need to go back to like 1986 and uh get out our you know abacuses and our slide rules because it's time to do some weird math and i and i don't want to <laughs> do that you know i don't want to do that either um and i think that uh, uh, an indie game person who has a very narrowly focused game like damn the man save the music could flip the script on me and say oh brendan you think this game is so narrow and has all these predetermined outcomes but if if that's the case then why is it that, that a so much more complex and robust game like dungeons and dragons why are they all the fucking same why is it that everybody meets at a tavern and then fights some goblins in the woods and then goes to the mountain where the necromancer is? You know what I'm saying? True. You know, with all those yeah. pages and all those rules and all those damn source books, it seems like those games are very narrow in what they're about. And I could totally see that point. I can totally yeah. see that point, you know? Yeah. And, and that all goes back to the definition of role playing game that there's, there's yeah. no one true definition of a role-playing game because there are how many different kinds of role-playing games 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. There even... are story heavy role playing games. There are system heavy role playing games. There are, um, you know, it's, it's there, there's a bunch of different gray area when it comes to, comes to the definition of it. You're going to say video role-playing games, aren't you? Oh, no. No, hell no. (laughs) No, never those. Thank you. Good. No, I had, I, we, we had, (laughs) I had that rant from you, Mark. (laughs) Oh, man. And I will never slip up again. My girlfriend plays those, she plays video games. That's her thing. And she's always like, she's always like, I think you'd enjoy this. And I'm like, oh, what? I enjoyed choosing one option off of the four and the menu presented in front of me? No. Never, <laughs> never. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. That's so, why I like Elite Dangerous. I can do anything I want to. <laughs> oh man. Um. One one last question. One last little topic before we get going. It's a long episode, but I don't care. Um. So we we know that the online side of gameplay is gonna expand what do you think is gonna happen with that mark well well i hope that uh designers will start kind of embracing that and you know kind of trying to steer games to fit that um yeah you know games like uh you know like doom that used the jenga tower that's hard to play online dread doom, doom dread. is a very dread, much different game <laughs> thank you sorry yeah no it's fine um but uh, but yeah, that you know, if, if you start uh, gearing your your games to fit that technology, then then everybody wins. Absolutely, and and you know, like I've said in the past, it's allowed you know people like us to to play hundreds and hundreds of miles away. You know? Absolutely, um, anywhere from Oklahoma to Florida to <laughs> Arizona over to Brendan and uh and yeah being able to to connect people like that Brendan what do you think about uh, about the whole online connectivity thing well I don't know I've had more experience with that over this last year than ever before and um I I think if you go back to some old FMRPG episodes you might even be able to find me saying something bellicose and <laughs> closed-minded like I'll never do it <laughs> and then this last year I did a bunch of it. Um, and I've done Skype gaming with you guys where I can't see you. And so we can't cue off each other's bodies like at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I did some uh, Google Hangouts late, uh, later on where we could, there was a camera and you could see how people, like what they were looking at. You could see how their bodies were positioned a little bit. Um, and I think it's still really hard. I think until we get like really big TVs and like crazy cameras and maybe VR goggles or something, there's just, you're just always going to be losing something from that sitting around the table, getting into it with each other. There's also as a as a GM who does a lot of what I consider to be atmospheric gaming, mm. I can't. There's a bunch of stuff I can't do. I can't uh, play with music in the way that I want to. I can't play with lighting in the way I want to. That having been said, I've been doing a lot of atmospheric gaming at a game store that has like a bunch of shit going on around me. Like I think they have like a they have like a My Little Pony card game league that goes on there at the same night. They've got magic going on at the same time, so it's very loud. And I've still been able to do some atmospheric gaming. But 
I just don't feel like the online thing is quite where I want it yet. I mean, it's it, having done it now, it's, it's it's in no danger of of surplanting just meeting around a tabletop as being my favorite go-to thing. Now, right. the the point that you guys really make is is what's key to online gaming is that you are going to find stuff to do that you just are never you literally in your hometown where you live you're never going to get to play these games right right but you can go online and you can find someone who shares your interest in a game now yeah. tra- traditionally you know say okay i've got a copy of this indie game from from the uh, the early part of the sort of indie renaissance that's going on mm-hmm. it's called cold city like i own this game now if i want to play this game Basically, A, I'm going to run it, and B, I have to create an audience for it. I have to, like, sell it to my friends. I got to make sure they come to my house. I got to ply them with, like, you know, uh, flattery, et cetera, you know? <laughs> you realize that's why this podcast started, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what, for 7C? You no, know, I, I pitched it to my home group here at home, and everybody shot it down. So I went, yeah. okay, let's go online. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I think it's like, I mean, in my, in my experience with my group, I'm often the guy who creates an audience for a particular game, but you don't always want to do that. You don't always want to have this kind of Kevin Costner. If they build it, if you build it, they will come kind of shit. Sometimes <laughs> you just want to engage with someone else who likes the same things you like. And I think Mark, you can understand this. It's like Star Trek. Sometimes oh, yeah. you just want to sit down with some other fucking Trekkies. You want to talk about Romulans. You want to talk about your favorite scenes from your favorite movies. You don't want to have to explain it. You don't want to have get people riled up for it. You just want to have the camaraderie of people who are down. Mm-hmm. And that is still going to be the best thing you can get online. That's the thing that you're really going online for. And you're going to have to sacrifice certain stuff. But in the end, if you want to play Cold City with other people who know Cold City and love Cold City, then it's probably worth it, right? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Very good point. Um, Talking about the whole sitting together at a tabletop thing, VR is going to change that drastically. Yeah. Because they, right now, on online, they've got you know, tabletop simulator, mm. which I'm sure will expand. They have tabletopia, which we're actually, you know, working with right now to play test Steve's game. And so it's going to have, you know, yeah, you're going to be sitting at your desk, at your computer, on your laptop, wherever you are, but you're going to be at this virtual table together playing the same game, still communicating, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure as, as that technology goes farther and farther, as things become more accessible, like VR and and like stuff like that, that feeling of being able to look to your right or look to your left and see your, your buddy sitting right there, you know, who's thousands of miles away, you know, it, it will have that disconnect and that will always be a problem with online. Because you sure. you never have the face to face, you don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we can imagine a, a point where the whole the whole art form of of role playing sort of dis, disintegrates as we get things that are kind of like holodecks, right? 
Sure. Once, Absolutely. Once you've, once you've got a holodeck, you know, you don't really need a GM anymore. I guess even in next generation, you see like Picard will say like, oh, I wrote this this holodeck program. And you kind of all as a kid, I always kind of wondered what went into that, what goes into writing a holodeck program. <laughs> but that, mm-hmm. that'll be, I guess, what GMing is. Right. When you're like, oh, no, I wrote this cool you know, Riker XXX69 program. Wait, what's that? Oh, oh, scroll past, scroll past, you know? <laughs> well, even before that, just getting into AI uh, game mastering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. You know, that can certainly uh, change the way things happen. Maybe they'll have, you know, they'll, there will have to also be ways for us as GMs to have AI players, right? I mean, yeah. ooh, yeah, that's something. That's kind of something we were talking about on our uh, our play test uh, when it came to to Steve's Steve's game. He's running that's a right. card game right now, um, for his development, and you know he's like, you know, there's a way I can run the math, but there's no way I can you know play test with with you know AI players to see how things work. You know, and that's just that's a really interesting concept, you know, when it comes to when it comes to stuff like that. Um, but I think the problem will always be and this is this is kind of a thing with robotics now. And I think it always will be is the creative, the creativity, the independent thinking uh, when it comes to role playing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um you know, we as human beings with minds and emotions and everything, that is ultimately what controls how different people are when it comes to a specific situation. You know, it's like you program a robot, unless you program them a specific way to respond in a specific thing, it's still the same thing, you know? Yeah. They only have the set amount of emotions and reactions that you give them. So, and and I don't think there's ever going to be a way where you can give them an an infinite amount of emotions and different algorithms and different things to run through. Um, Because it's like, as humans, a lot of us have like a bipolar disorder or uh, a stress you know, stress responses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You can't fabricate that. You know, one day, one situation, we're playing a game, I respond in a specific way. Uh, maybe next week, I have a bad day and I'll respond a different way. You True. know, that's that's ultimately... that. You know, I, I really can't, don't think, you know, until hundreds of years i don't think robots will ever be able to duplicate that amount of emotion fair well man i think that might be sooner than you think <laughs> Brendan but seems that's perplexed. just me <laughs> that's just me yeah i mean uh, ultimately robots only a robot gm only has to figure it be able to say you meet at a tavern go out to the woods and kill some goblins <laughs> so you know, how hard players fuel the rest. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but Mark and I know that inevitably, if we go into the holodeck to play Dungeons and Dragons on our day off, <laughs> that will be when we go into an ion storm and suddenly all the safeties <laughs> turn off. That's right. That's right. Oh my God. That's so true. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. 
It has been a pleasure to rant with you. Yes. Likewise. Mark, like always. Brendan, thank you for joining us today while Steve is off um, yes. saving you. the planet. <laughs> so, anytime, um, man. Anytime. So get at me. Absolutely. And that's it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on soundcloud.com slash tabletopradiohour and on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at tabletopcast if you have any questions or comments. We also have an email address that is tabletopradiohour at yahoo.com. Our website, tabletopradiohour.wordpress.com. You can find information about our Patreon page on our website. I want to thank you all for listening, and keep rolling 20s.